I first of all always thinks about myself as an audience member. So I think that maybe my audience felt that I'm their ally, that I'm on their side, and that I'm always present. Named after the Greek goddess of dance and chorus, and also an allusion to historian Sally Baines' seminal book on postmodern dance, Terpsichore and Sneakers, Terpsichore is a platform celebrating female dancers, choreographers, and bodies in motion, curated by me, dance critic and writer Emily May. Posting information, images, and videos of female dance pioneers, both past and present, on a daily basis on our Instagram account, Terpsichore has now started its very own podcast, where I will be interviewing leading women from the dance industry about their lives, careers, and the female artists that have inspired them. For our 10th episode, I'm delighted to welcome the wonderful Joanna Lesznarowska to the podcast. Based in Poznan in Poland, Joanna is a dance writer, curator, and dramaturge who is best known for setting up Poland's first regular dance space and choreography development center, Old Brewery New Dance, which falls under the umbrella of Art Stations, a foundation created by Grazhna Kulchuk to support experimental approaches to contemporary art, cultural education, exhibitions and research. Recently, Grazhna Kulchuk set up Museum Zouche, a contemporary art museum in Switzerland where Joanna curates the Action Zouche choreography program. I couldn't wait to speak to Joanna about the contemporary dance scene in Poland before and after she set up Old Brewery New Dance, how she approaches curating a dance program in a contemporary art museum context, the importance of maintaining open dialogues between artists and audiences, and why she's dedicated to fighting for the autonomy of contemporary dance from other art forms. Hi Joanna, thank you so much for joining us today on the Terpsichore podcast. How are you doing and where are you speaking to us from? Hello, Emily. It's such a pleasure to be your guest. Thank you for having me in your podcast. I'm actually in Switzerland, in the Engadin Valley in Sush, uh, where, as you know, there is a museum hosting also a choreographic program. I have a huge honor to curate. Amazing. And I can't wait to speak to you about that a little later. But to begin with, I wanted to start at the very beginning and ask you, what some of your first experiences of dance were and how you became interested in the art form as a child or initially when you discovered it? Well, generally, I must admit I'm quite energetic person. Everybody who knows me knows that I hardly can stay in one place. I have a lot of energy and I love to move. And dancing was kind of always part of my daily routines. I loved sports. I was even in a folk company as a child, dancing Polish traditional dance. And then when I was a teenager, I completely fell in love in theater. And I was lucky enough also to live in a town on the west of Poland, Poznan, quite a big town, where in 1973, first ever modern dance company, dance theater, has been established. Polski Teatr Tańca, Polish Dance Theater. So uh, even though I was always defining myself more as a theater person, already as a teenager, I was watching a lot of dance on stage and I've been always extremely enthusiastic and falling in love with dancers and being enchanted by the poetry of movement and admiring performers. On that time in 80s in Poland, at least where I was looking at this art form from, there was a clear understanding that to be a dancer you need to go through ballet school education, you need to be skinny girl and nobody even thought or I would not have a single expectation that ever in the future I will also become a part of a dance community. Following my first love and desires, I went into theater and I was also as a very active person doing everything. I was dreaming of being an actress. I was dreaming of being a playwright. I wanted to direct. I, I was actually wanted to do everything that is connected to theater. And I actually, funny enough, I never had any other dream in my life. So I never had a choice like, oh, maybe I will become biologist or maybe a, a theater maker. No, no, no. It was always theater. And then here comes the moment in which dance enters to my life. It actually went through a very special crisis because I started to study theater as a scientist. So I'm a MA of a theater science. And in the middle of my studies, I realized that I stopped understanding theater somehow, that this love is going through a certain transformation. And I felt very lost 
Because if you ever had anything else in your mind to do, suddenly to discover that you don't understand this art form anymore, it was quite painful and stressful experience. And very frustrating because I don't like to be depressed too long. I prefer to act and to not wait until something clarifies, rather to go and clarify it myself. So in the middle of this crisis, I started to question my love for theater, realizing that I always loved theater, but never really went any deeper. What of theater I really love? And what is really this part that makes me the most excited? And that way, through some deeper reflections and analyzes, I have discovered that I've been always really enchanted by the presence of a live body on stage. Mm -hmm. And actually this magical power of theater that communicates with us also with imagery and nonverbal tools. And that actually I realized that as a teenager, I was the most excited watching dance performances, even though I never thought it may become anyhow part of my professional life. And when I was about to choose my final thesis in the theater science department, I decided I will write about Tanztheater just because I thought at least this is the least I could do for myself to look into my passion of theater from the perspective that seems to me the most interesting. I also loved exactly this non-verbal areas of theater. And, and again, back to Poznań, my hometown, it's always been a capital of an alternative theater. And I don't know if you if you know, in, in deep communist times, when the censorship was not allowing to speak openly from stage about politics and anything that was not following the, the line of a party, the movement theater and Polish alternative theater developed an incredible field of research and practice which was really purely based on body and body images and then of course it's everything started to make sense to me that this is the area the the zone the poetic landscape that I find myself the most comfortable with and also now I have tools to name it I think I've always thought of myself as um, as Jacques Rancière uh, said emancipated spectator I was always looking for this zone between stage and audience where there is freedom for my own reflections, for my own imaginations. And I didn't finally found it in a typical classical drama theater, which is so word obsessed, so logocentric, which actually always tells you how the world looks like instead of asking questions. So this area of questions I have rediscovered, renewing my passion for watching dance. So in the beginning, I became first ever in Poland, a regular dance writer. And I was publishing texts on dance. I started to make my own researches and I have discovered an amazing field of choreography. Of course, starting from Tanztheater naturally, but then learning that actually Tanztheater is just one of so, so many faces of dance. Mm -hmm. And even then going deeper and deeper, I actually found myself in love with abstract dance, with avant-garde dance. So I even left Tanztheater eventually, and was introducing to Polish audience all the new phenomena of uh, choreography and the variety and richness of dance that uh, nowadays we can experience. This is how I, being always a dancer myself, just because I am naturally extremely energetic person, I went a little detour way to discover that this is the field that I want to be active yeah. and be part of. Amazing. That's why I find this question always so interesting because everyone has such a different route into the dance industry. Obviously, you went on to set up Poland's first regular dance space and choreographic development center, which was called Old Brewery New Dance. I wanted to ask you what the Polish contemporary dance scene or landscape was like at that time before you set this up, because you mentioned there that you were introducing Polish audiences to a, a wide spectrum through your work uh, with this dance space what was it like before and did that influence why you thought you needed to set up this center first of all you need to understand that when i was starting to occupy myself with dance i was coming from a theater milieu and i have really literally almost no idea what's going on in poland and it's also very hard to talk about polish dance scene especially of that time without speaking about the history of poland in general because as you know behind iron curtain 
until 89, we have been quite isolated from everything that was happening in the Western world. And Poland is a theater-obsessed country. We have uh, all sorts of theater, amazing makers, great education. And dance has been always a niche. It has been always somewhere there hidden. And if it came up to minds of people, it was only uh, either as a ballet, because the only education on the time you could have was a ballet school. And as an MA, you could only become a ballet teacher, even not a choreographer. Mm -hmm. Or theater because of course fame of Pina Bausch and her theatrical side made it very popular in Poland and I remember when I was in my studies I have seen live Pina Bausch in Warsaw it was a big big thing but I was coming into dance world equipped with a lot of tools coming as a scientist as a researcher as a writer equipped with a lot of knowledge and tools to analyze and describe theater but none that I could find super useful and ready to occupy myself with dance especially in this avant-garde forms so the only way at the time was to go and learn by doing so I actually made a research and I have found uh, festivals in summer and through engaging myself as a volunteer translator of workshops dance workshops actually and then next year is also as a technical translator of setup and set-offs this is how I found my way into the dance community and I have discovered an incredible world that was under current somehow of, uh, of performing arts in Poland and never really found the proper visibility even until now the situation is not perfect but on that time I really had no idea that even in Krakow the city I studied there has been working people that today are my colleagues, but I for five years had no idea about their existence. And theater students were not coming to dance performances, looking to these old little black holes, black boxes, where dance performances would happen. So of course I knew about this official company in Poznan because it was in my hometown. But then through the festival in Bytom, the one summer festival I went to, I started to meet people from different parts of Poland. And it was also my first encounter with international dance. So I was reporting for a theater magazine about performances and myself, I was learning. And I must admit that being a translator of workshops and being able to follow many, many different workshops and be a kind of always very close to a pedagogues, to artists who were teaching, I have sometimes a feeling was the best way to learn also about dance techniques, about understanding the body. And this was also funny. I remember remember it very quickly turned out that maybe I'm even learning more than the people who are learning steps at this mm -hmm. workshop because to be able to translate I had to very quickly understand how to help them to understand their steps so I always been very close to teachers artists and develop a very interesting dialogues and also being a writer of course I have always thousands of questions so many of my artistic friendships and relationships are even coming back to this time because I was then following artists and I was getting more and more interested in their choreographic work later. This is the moment when the turn of 90s and, and the new millennium, I discovered that Poland has a, a huge amateurs movement. There is a lot of independent small groups working in many, many different smaller and bigger cities. But there is quite some festivals, so like Dance Life is organized around uh, festivals, but most of them like to be international and that is most due to the fact that this was the easiest way to find support, financial support. So it's it, to apply for a festival that would bring international works. Mm. And that actually we do not have uh, any higher education at the time, 2004 in 2000 in Poland that the only education goes through workshop system and a lot of international teachers were coming to Poland to teach and there are whole generations of artists who who came into professional life through this amateurs movement also and actually what was the most striking to me especially as a person coming from a theater world I was really shocked how little there is understanding how different the profession of dancer and choreographer was mm. So we had amazing dancers, 
And everybody was talking about dance, 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 but we spoke very little about choreography and about choreographers. And I always have this anecdote that on the time in Poland, choreography was understood either as a kind of retirement plan for a talented dancer. So yeah. once you cannot dance anymore, you just choreograph or a kind of the plan B for non-talented dancer. So mm. if you were not soloist of a company, your destination, destiny was to okay make dance maybe for others and uh, finally that it's actually a rotary function in a dance group so one day I'm a choreographer next day you're a choreographer so it was very shocking to me because I was coming from a drama theater where there is a long tradition of studies designed for actors and for directors and especially in our super traditional hierarchy obsessed theater director is a god huh? so he's the smartest in a whole village let's say always right and always signing the work with their name and so i couldn't understand how come in dance people are not training choreographers or at least not discussing what would be that special training for choreographers. Mm -hmm. I understood that there's a, a huge need actually to start this discourse around choreography, especially while I was discovering more and more avant-garde experimental areas of this art form. I knew that it's not about dance anymore so much and also how different there is a, a training and education for choreographers. This was also the, the time when I have learned that Poland has witnessed an, a total exodus of the most talented dancers to schools abroad. So there were really great number of talented people, young people, leaving the country for schools in London, Brussels, in Austria, and then later also Berlin became the spot as the closest of course to us and that they actually are very well educated but they hardly ever come back home because Poland didn't have any professional dance life so it couldn't offer artists a professional place to work and share the work and actually especially when they started to occupy themselves with much broader understood choreography then it was still popular in Poland then it this became even more problematic. So this is how we came to this moment that I really felt when I got a chance, and I, I know you will ask me this in a moment how it happened, but I really wanted from the very beginning, from day one, to create a space which would be dedicated to choreographic development because I knew we have amazing performers and we have amazing talents among us but as long as we don't really start discussing choreography and also allow or create a space for experimentation our choreography at Polish dance will not develop. And so now as you predicted maybe you could tell me about how Oldbury New Dance came about and particularly I know that it's affiliated or part of Art Stations Foundation which was uh, founded by Grazhnia Culture. I must say whenever I'm asked about it I am always saying that in fact it was a kind of a fairy tale. I would start once upon a time in a relatively big city in the west of quite big European city. There was a, a lady with a huge heart for art oh. and she's been collecting fine arts for many years, being always very supportive of the local art community and always keeping a, a hot spot in her heart and an eye on talents. At the end of the last century, she actually bought the ruins of the former German brewery that was falling apart in the middle of Poznan our hometown. She saw these ruins and imagined a place where art would meet life and she decided to buy it and restore it and create it into an art and business center. So in fact, she was actually willing to prove that contemporary art can be supported by business and business can support non-commercial art form because actually it can afford it, you know? This is how Stare Brovar, Old Brewery, came to life. And it was at the end of 2003 when it was open. And at the time, as I was a dance writer and also to make my living, you couldn't make life from being a dance person in Poland. So to earn my monthly money, I was also working in a, uh, the city drama theater of Poznan, introducing some dance performances also, but then working there for the production and connection with artists. And the whole city went on riots, imagining what's going on in this in this old brewery place. Everybody was hearing gossips that there will be an art center, 
but nobody had a chance to really learn what's gonna be there exactly and we knew that there will be some theater space but yeah how it's gonna be organized everybody was hoping that there are fields of gold waiting for artists there and everybody was so keen to learn and it's all true what I'm not now gonna say somebody told me hey listen aren't you a press you're a writer why don't you just maybe get in touch with them and just tell that you are writing an article about the future plans of Stary Brovar. And that way you will go and see what's going on and you all tell us really <laughs> what's going on on this construction site. Yeah. And I you know, like as funky as I am naturally, I said, well, you know, maybe that's a good idea. So actually I got in touch with a man who just became a president of Freshly Established Art Stations Foundation, which was a body to manage artistic program of Old Brewery. And it was just established. So he was exactly in the moment of completing a team of the foundation. So I called him and I told him that I'm a writer and I'm really interested in what's going on because it would be so amazing to write a text about these plants. He immediately invited me to come over and see what's going on. And I never left. Because once I get into the spaces, I got so overexcited about possibilities that I've seen there. And also knowing that Poland doesn't have any single space dedicated to dance in general, no dance house whatsoever, nothing. Maybe uh, what I'm looking at, this amazing, gorgeous space in this historical building could become a first ever Polish dance venue. And that actually it's now or never a historical moment to really support the art form that has never been really extensively supported in Poland. Of course, the only thing I had to do was to convince Ms. Kulczyk, the owner of the place and founder of the foundation, and actually, it's also an anecdotic encounter of ours. I had to dance for her, and I'm not a dancer, and I had to dance for her to explain her differences between ballet dancing, contemporary, modern, you know, all these different kinds of understanding, body weights, aesthetics. So I think she looked at me and thought, this woman must be crazy. <laughs> I was very, as every dance person, very sporty. <laughs> and I was just, you know, going for it. She was a bit shocked, but said, okay, let's give it a try. And here we are, 17 years later. So I have actually built from scratch and I gained her trust and extreme support and freedom, which is very unique, total freedom to shape the place and the program of it according to my beliefs and everything I have learned already following international strategies for dance and choreography development all my previous experiences I could apply but also I had to learn by doing everything how to run a venue how to be a team leader how to support artists from day by day year by year we grew into multi-leveled choreographic development program and I'm extremely proud of course of this and of all the generation of artists that thanks to our activities could enter professional life and is now a driving force of Polish choreography. Amazing. And maybe you could give a brief overview of how the program is as it stands now. How is it developed and, and what do you offer at the moment? So actually we have developed a certain body of flagship programs that would support development of Polish makers. The program generally wished to introduce to local audiences and most interesting phenomena of contemporary choreography, to present works and to show how different, how various are the areas of choreographic research. And at the same time to encourage Polish artists to take some artistic risks and to create for them a very safe, but also critically inspiring environment in which they can take their first steps as dance makers. And it's not only about being young, it also often happens in dance that after a long career as a performer, you feel like you would love to start a career of a choreographer. So we really wanted to always raise a discourse around what is choreography and help those young people or non-experienced artists, non-experienced in making dance to increase their skills, to open up their minds and encourage them to take artistic risks. So this is how we have created a several programs, research educational programs, which actually were always rather avoiding preaching how to make dance mm -hmm. and were rather charging artists batteries so equipping them with a knowledge about how many there are ways to create 
and actually that in fact there are so many ways as many makers so we wanted to really make them brave enough into taking their own decision and understanding this very broad tradition of research choreography practice as a kind of an open source that we all build upon our own artistic language the program was always favoring process over product even though through the years we have became the biggest production house of new choreography in Poland, but it's not a byproduct. It's a product of circumstances and product of need because artists didn't have other places to experiment. But it was never the most important part of it. The most important part of our programmation in regards to choreography development was to embrace failure as one of the most important experiences. <laughs> because success is, is great, but it's also rather easy, does not inspire us to reflect critically on what we do while failure is always asking you to also maybe question what went wrong and through this understand that that's a natural way of learning and finding your own way so the same way we managed to support artists with understanding of audiences and kind of erase a formula that we like or dislike something simply and rather engage audiences in choreographic discourse so we've been often revealing choreographic kitchen to audiences, making a lot of open showings, introducing audiences to open rehearsals, always ready to mediate choreography and discuss what artists do behind the closed doors of their studios. And that way, I'm very proud of Poznan audience because they became a very interesting, challenging partner for young artists that is very supportive of choreographic process. And we all together understand that becoming a choreographer is like a long life process, actually. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen over one night or four years of a school, but it actually goes through constant challenging oneself and experimentation and encounter with audiences and staying in a very active dialogue also with the audience. So it was extremely important to really also build this bridge between audiences and choreography because I don't know how it is at your end but in Poland people are a little bit afraid of contemporary choreography. Audience often claim that they don't understand anything, that it's really weird, why this and why that, why people don't dance. And it was for me very important to really change also with a certain myth that dance is for everybody, that dance is a universal language that can be understood everywhere, because we all know it is not true. So I think that the most important is to start to treat our audience serious as a really smart human beings. And funny enough, often audience is better educated than artists on stage, right? So there's absolutely no reason to claim that somebody is not able to understand something. And I remember even before I became a curator of this place, I was traveling through different festivals to write reports to my paper. And I was hearing a lot from writers or, or other programmers after some shows, oh no, my audience would never understand it. And then I was thinking, but I'm the audience also. And who gives me or you the right to judge competence of people who come to the show and already ahead predict what will be their reaction? Mm -hmm. Something was wrong. I had a feeling something is wrong with it. Let's take some risk. Let's check. So actually from the very beginning, I was bringing to Poznan a lot of international artists, both young and established, known names and completely unknown names, just to really create this platform for exchange of ideas, for mutual understanding that we are all dance lovers, choreography lovers, and that actually our work makes sense only in this dialogue. Yeah, I find that so interesting and really inspiring what you're saying about this dialogue with the audience, because I feel sometimes in contemporary dance or more niche art forms, people can almost view the audience or people who, in inverted commas, don't get contemporary dance as the enemy. You know, they're like, oh, rolling eyes, like they just don't get it. But if you want audiences and you want to present your work, there's no point in doing that unless you open this dialogue and ask people's opinions and their opinion on it is as valid as the creators yeah. as well. 
when people learn that I program dance, they always are becoming immediately shy and they always say, oh no, I don't understand choreography. And <laughs> always saying in response, hey, hey, listen, but maybe something is wrong with this performance. If you didn't get anything, something must be wrong <laughs> because this is not a purpose of art to shame their audience. <laughs> it can feel like it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To leave the theater even more unhappy than they came in, right? Yeah. So it helped a lot. And I think also that I discovered that I have a lot of pleasure in, in trying to find proper ways to communicate quite sometimes complicated practices and theories around performing arts to so-called normal people. Because I always considered myself extremely normal. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I, first of all, always think about myself as a spectator as an audience member. So I think that maybe my audience felt that I'm their ally, that I'm on their side, and that I'm always present. I've been always a present curator. I was never hiding myself behind the programming body or behind my founder. I was always there to defend my choices and trying to understand, wow, that really works for me. It doesn't work for you? What? How come? Let's talk about it. So all in all, we actually managed to bring through this program the whole new generation of artists that came from abroad from schools on the beginning just to share the work or maybe do one project. And I'm very happy that many of them decided to come back to Poland for good because they saw that country is changing, that also through our work, the awareness of audience is changing. And actually, audience is hungry for new phenomena. And especially in Poznan, we've been so close to Berlin that my colleagues, my friends, were always traveling to Berlin to see shows. And I thought, well, okay, why don't we show them in Poznan? Mm -hmm. So we really wanted to break this isolation from the outside world, from international stages. So also to promote Polish choreography, I have became a partner of many international European networks and projects. We are a co-founder of European Dance House Network. It was established in 2008. Mm -hmm. And also we are a long-term partner of Airwaves. So I'm the Polish partner of Airwaves and mm -hmm. every year with my other great colleagues, I'm participating in selection of top 20. I also has been creating European projects with Itzeka Amsterdam, Emio Greco, also around interdisciplinary education for dance artists. So it was always the way to stay in touch with the international community and exchange knowledge, experiences and ideas around what we believe choreography is, what it can become in future, and also always make sure that Polish artists are getting chances to work abroad, to get on residencies, to be in touch with their colleagues abroad. And I believe that through this connection, we not only put Poland back on the European map of contemporary dance, but also we really encouraging artists to be more brave in experimentation and looking for their own artistic language. Ten years ago, we also started a program for the youngest audiences as first in Poland. It's already new dance for children, which actually evolved over the years into a program called Dancing Families. And it is really a program that presents works for the smallest babies from almost half a year to maybe one or two years. And then offering also to the whole families series of workshops, which were more focused on somatic experiences rather than, again, learning steps. It was for us quite important to understand that both those kids and their parents are our audience too. So we invest in a way already at this stage into developing a body awareness and also creating a very quality time for families to take them out from screens of computers and to offer them some physical activities together. We also, on our 10th anniversary, has established a research scholarship to support researchers in choreography. And Ms. Kulczyk was generously funding a scholarship that every year grants one researcher an extensive full year support to conduct research about new experimental expanded choreography phenomena with the aim to share it with wider audiences. And we, every year at the end of the season, we've been holding International Dance Festival where we introduced a lot of international works. It has been really a multi-layered program trying to take into consideration needs of every actor in the dance community. And actually, one of the mottos that accompanies the program from the very, very beginning is saying art doesn't need support, artists do. Which actually, especially in this pandemic moment, it does really gain very important strength 
because I do believe that art choreography will do really fine as long as artists will be helped and supported. Well, there's so many amazing things that you've touched on there. There's so much going on. You seem so busy, but you're also the curator of the dance program at Museum Zouche, which is a new contemporary art institution in Switzerland, also set up by Miss Kulchuk, which was opened in 2019. I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about how you became the curator of this program called Action Zouche and what does it involve and what have you been working on so far? Well, now knowing my story, how I created that center in Poznan, you can imagine that it's quite natural consequence of my last 16 years of work that Miss Kulczyk got interested in choreography and through supporting it, she also wanted to continue this once she established the museum in Swiss Alps. And I was very happy about it because I do believe that choreography is one of the most interesting art forms inspiring for artists of different disciplines and also in a way taking handfuls from other disciplines as well. So it's an incredible mediator between art forms. And a museum located in such an incredible site was also offering a great space to underlying something that is very important to me also as a curator, something I was always supporting also through my work so far, the understanding how relevant, how important choreographic research is for development of an art form. So again, favoring process over product, I thought is an amazing place to really open up a platform of discourse, self-reflection for choreography artists and artists in dialogue with other art forms to reflect about relevance and responsibilities choreography might have towards our times, our planet, our societies, our communities, and also to inspire this interdisciplinary dialogue. So Action Sush is in fact a choreographic research and reflection program. We do not offer uh, production residencies. We were really open for more slow art, slow reflection time, where we encourage artists to take a meaningful pause and question their practice and question the future of choreography and get inspired by the very inspiring environment and artistic offer of the museum and its curators. And it's really uh, seems almost like perfect site to do it and it also beautifully adds to my curriculum as a curator where I can also offer meaningful time and uh, creative time for artists who are not anymore youngsters and despite of that they still need a lot of support and space for deep end research, for writing, for formulating their ideas on paper. So this is what actually Action Social is doing. It's really looking into choreography in its social, political context, and it's really encouraging artists to dig deeper in their understanding of what they do. I also hope that, and I know it's already happening, that a lot of future projects are gonna be conceived in Sush mm -hmm. and might come from the encounters of artists of different disciplines and choreography of course now is one of those leading art forms but I also wanted to underline that different than in other museums I'm really interested in the choreography in its autonomic version I would say so it's not this quite fashionable presence of dance in white cube galleries mm -hmm. it's really uh, creating a space for an autonomic art form that is developing over the last decades its own theory, it has its own history, it has its own reflection going on, and it's actually, in a way, interweaving elements of different disciplines into a completely new tissue of artistic expression. So in that way, also, it's extremely important to understand that it's not a performance program of a museum. It's not an addition to exhibition program, and it does not serve as such as well. So uh, hardly ever I can say that I am making accompanying events for exhibitions at Museum Sush. I continue to fight for autonomy of choreography mm -hmm. and I really would love to give it visibility. And Museum Sush also is a lot about giving visibility to 
those who are maybe not enough heard or not enough visible. So probably this is why also we match so nicely, so beautifully. That's really interesting that you say that because I was going to go and ask about how important you find it to have dance in these museum contexts, particularly because I do think it's becoming quite prevalent or common now for art galleries to want to collaborate with dance or performance or have a performance program. But it's generally in the context of, yes, supporting an artwork or supporting an exhibition. And what you're saying about trying to fight for dance's autonomy, it kind of reminds me so much of what I've learned about Rudolf Laban, about he, how he tried to fight for dance's autonomy from music. And it's interesting that this is kind of yes. coming back now and fighting autonomy with visual art when it's often yes. now being introduced to visual art spaces, but as a supporter rather than its own art form. I must confess, for me, there are difficult experiences. I'm really allergic to this copy-pasting of certain dances into the gallery spaces. For me, the interesting dimension of presence of choreography or body in the museum is also looking for change of a certain paradigm of spectatorship or encounter with visual arts to also bring an awareness that as audience of exhibitions, we are not just a looking eye. We are a really a fully embodied experience and uh, I'm always much more interesting in conceiving and, and bringing to life new ideas and new works than just reproducing already existing ones in slightly different contexts. So it is interesting to encourage artists and also audiences, because artists doesn't really need to be encouraged so much, to really look into this choreography as expanded practice, because recently it seems, and pandemic is such an incredible opportunity to really understand it. Once we cannot then as we used to together in usually small places, right? Because we never could afford filling in the huge theaters. So in these very intimate spaces, at the moment pandemic put all our regular activities on hold, everything moved online, choreography still can develop because choreography is so much more than just a dancing body. The very essence of the word, the Greek word choreography, it's really writing movement or writing with movement. And it can write with movement of bodies, animate, inanimate, ideas, images, sounds, scratches of ideas, ideologies. So in that way, choreography is so much more than just a dance yeah it doesn't have to have performance as an end product and I really like this term that you used earlier slow choreography you know everyone says slow fashion or slow food in terms of fast food I really like that idea and the idea of choreography because so much artists have to get caught up in production cycles and what theatres are demanding for them for commercial terms that sounds like a really valuable part of this program at Zoosh that it gives people this time and space to choreograph slowly please believe me I'm, I'm a lover of dance. I love to watch performances. I am worshipping the magic of this live encounter in a theatrical space. Watching dance, of course, we know it's, it's kinesthesia. It's also a physiologically proven experience. It is for me a, an incredible experience of some poetic space and landscape. But I do believe that we can experience movement of so much more things than we think. And, and that way, it's exciting to see how performative forms are changing how choreographers boldly enter different art disciplines, how they weave and dance around them and, and compose movement with them. So this is what I've been introducing since already many years in Poland. And now it also finds a perfect home in Museum Susch. Amazing. You mentioned previously how Zoosh has this kind of motivation to give a spotlight to people who aren't necessarily represented. And I think from what I've read and talked to other people about, a lot of that is in terms of female artists. So it's not really that it's only female choreographers, but this is true that we are interested in rewriting a little bit of history of arts. In choreography, it's of course different than in visual arts because we all know choreography is female. There's a lot of really acknowledged female artists, choreographers. But when I really look honestly into the 
dance market or how this art form is developing, I still have a feeling that there is not enough visibility for female artists as well as certain female qualities that choreography represents. Mm -hmm. The slowness we've been talking about, open-mindedness, flexibility, empathy, notions of care, this is all that is traditionally assigned to female quality. In this way, we are looking for this feminization of an art form in this broader notion of the art. I know amazing female artists, extremely strong, who are not gaining as much international recognition as their male colleagues. And not that I don't like many male choreographers, quite contrary. I still believe that I would love to dedicate a lot of effort into offering females conditions to work and deep digger into their practices. It concerns especially a simple fact that once female choreographer becomes mother, suddenly her possibility to fit in this extremely mobile mode of production that we witnessed for decades in choreographic field is suddenly extremely limited. So it's not enough discussed how to create conditions for females, mothers, mother choreographers and fathers choreographers to still continue their research while their babies are still small, how to create conditions that they don't need to sacrifice their family life for their professional life. There is a lot of those relevant issues that are not enough discussed. And I hope that through our activities and creating here, the safe spaces where sometimes the whole artistic families can come to create together, we can at least add a little bit to, to the future change. And pandemic has proven that this obsession with mobility suddenly came almost to impossibility and we cannot travel anymore as much. And we are all curious and we all are engaged in reflection how our dance world will look like after pandemic. And I think that there is a huge hope in female artists who are showing a way, a model for different kinds of collaborations that was traditionally assigned to men. We all know that it's not only female, it's all queer art, it's all the minority art. So in that sense, this program is actually wanting to reveal areas which has been not visible enough, not present enough, not discussed enough, and voice incredible ideas of those artists who were not lucky to find themselves yet in front of the many uh, larger audiences. I spoke to, I think, as you know, uh, Esther Solomon about her amazing work that she's researched at Zouj about Valeska Gert and her upcoming films. And that's a perfect example of what you're talking about because Valeska Gert is an example of a performer throughout history who is overlooked, perhaps through gender, but also religion and culture. Like I always say to people, she's, she's one of my favorite artists from history, but through my degree, I think it was like a couple of one lines about her in books where Whereas other artists, you have entire chapters. So that's a perfect example of how you are supporting people. (laughs) I am aware that all my work of last 17 years, all the activities for development of contemporary choreography and possibility to share choreography with audiences, both in Poland and now, everything that is happening and will happen in the context of Museum Sush is possible thanks to a very unique patronage granted by Grażyna Kulczyk. So I am helping because I have been also helped and granted unconditional trust and uh, freedom to create the program the way I believe is the most valuable and appropriate. It is a big responsibility. I am absolutely aware that I need to carry on this very special relay of support. And I am very grateful to Ms. Kulczyk for spreading this umbrella over contemporary choreography. And I look forward into the future and all the new endeavors we can create together. Thank you so much, Joanna. I have one last question, which I've been asking everyone I've been interviewing for the podcast. As we focus on interviewing leading women from the dance industry, I wanted to ask you if there's anyone you could meet and talk to, any female dance practitioner from history, who would it be and why? And maybe is there anything you'd like to ask them or talk to them about? I would actually choose Polish one. 
if you don't mind. Very little people know that in between the wars, Poland has been one of the centers of expressionist dance that also uh, due to our historical and geopolitical situation next with Vienna and Berlin, we have been one of the centers of Ausdruckstand and our dancers, mostly of Jewish origins, has been traveling freely between those countries, winning dance competitions, known as an interesting artist. They were studying with Mary Wigman, with Jacques Delcroze, so there were filias of Jacques Delcroze institutes established in 1911 in Warsaw, for example. So it was extremely exciting time and a lot of avant-garde artists, mostly females, were really like protagonists of this time. And of course, the tragic events of Second World War and Holocaust has exterminated a lot of artists and changed for over 50 years the way Polish history developed. We got under the Russian communist reign and of course, for years, the only approved way of dancing was again Russian ballet but we are now slowly researching back this moment of history and discovering a new amazing female characters. I think one of those that I would like to meet was sister of Nizhinsky, Bronisława Nizhinska, who was actually the first soloist chosen in Sacre de Printemps and herself amazing choreographer, seems like also amazing writer. So one of those would be also interesting to ask her how it was to be it in a shadow of her amazing brother and how she was fighting for herself even when she danced for him and we know quite tough stories about their relationship also but in 2013 I went to Brazil to Salvador for a festival and there I made my own discovery of a female choreographer Janka Rutska that escaped Poland after the war and became a main figure of Brazilian contemporary dance. Oh, wow. And she was extremely known for her interest in traditional culture and questioning how our traditional culture can fit contemporary choreography, which in 50s was extremely ahead of time. And herself being a white woman in Salvador, which is one of the most black areas of Brazil, and being fascinated with candomblé, African origin, religion and culture must have been something incredible. And when I discovered her, nobody knew of her at the time because she wanted and she really did everything so Poland doesn't know about her. It was her decision. So I really created a project that ended up with two productions between Polish and Brazilian artists and between Polish, Brazilian and Georgian and Armenian artists, the Janka Rutska project, where we research her work and we research also her artistic stances and dug into our traditional cultures to look for what is common and what is different and to dialogue through it. So I would actually love to meet Janka Rutska that unfortunately died five years before I have discovered her. So I missed her only five years. And first of all, I would like to apologize her for bringing her back home against her will, because it is a symbolic way to bring her back to Poland, even though she didn't want it. So I hope she would forgive me. And then I would love to ask her about how it was to be a Polish expressionist, dancer, choreographer, fascinated with candomblé, creating works in Brazil so far away from home, I think that would be an amazing story. And I think it's super important for Polish dance to find those ancestors that can link us to the lost development trace of our dance. Amazing. Well, that's an amazing answer. I feel like I want to go and do some research now. I can send and share with you an articles because we actually, I managed since then, of course, to make her really known in Poland. Mm -hmm. And there is also a book bilingual also in English mm -hmm. uh, where there are two texts one is by her biographer a Brazilian professor that followed her life researched her life and second is about the project I did how we created it so yeah. I'd be super happy to share with you please do email me those through that would be amazing well thank you so much Joanna it's been great to talk to you ciao I hope you enjoyed the 10th episode of the Terpsichore podcast with the amazing Joanna Lesznarowska. If you would like to find out more about Joanna's work, take a look at the websites of Old Brewery New Dance, Art Stations Foundation and Museum Zoosh, who you can also follow on Instagram. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you could subscribe and leave us a rating and review, as it helps other people find us. You can also follow Terpsichore Mag on Instagram, or sign up to our newsletter via our website, www.terpsichore-mag.com. Thanks so much again for listening to the Terpsichore Podcast with me, Emily May.